You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I'm preaching on covenants today. The last six months, the Lord is finally releasing me to preach on the three items that he told me, covenant, uh, how to be led, and the authority of the believer. We've been doing that on Wednesday nights, and we're going to I had another great message for Wednesday night, but we shouted every time we tried to quit shouting. We had to shout a little more, and we just had a good time. And then Friday night, the ladies got together, and my wife's been in ministry a long time, y'all. And listen, and my wife don't throw flattery around much, but she said uh, it was one of the best worship services she's ever been in in her entire life. And so that's pretty uh, big thing. All the ladies got together. So um, um, just God is really moving. And I sense his presence today. And so as you partake of communion today, uh, we're going to talk about covenant. We're going to do some interesting things today. And so uh, uh, going to need some cooperation with a few people. So everybody in the room be ready. Everybody ready? We're ready. So, uh, um, so uh, we're going to talk today. Uh, I'm going to pick up where Pastor Rhonda left off last week. We're going to talk about the symbols of a covenant. God has allowed some things to be very visible to reflect a covenant. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. A covenant is an agreement. A covenant is something that can't be broken. God has never broken his covenant and he's never broken his word. Has he not said it? Will he not also do it? And so a covenant is not something we in Western civilization understand very much. And we're going to look at it later, but we, the only one we really kind of know anything about, but very little today, is the covenant of marriage. Uh, the covenant of marriage is supposed to be a blood covenant. It was supposed to, and there's some symbols that go on. So we're going to dig right into this because, listen, um, I want you to know that these symbols, God is saying, look, I've made a covenant with you and I'll keep my promise to you. And it seems to me the hour that we've come into that you really have to know what God has promised you. Uh, we're living in the end of the end. The world seems to be going a little crazier than you and I might have suspected. But it's not catching God off guard. He said in the world that it would become like gross darkness. But that's so you and I, the light, will be able to shine a whole lot brighter. Amen? Are, are you ready? The glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Amen? But you've got to know your covenant. You've got to know your covenant. You've got to know the rights. And so as we look at the symbols today, I'm going to start with uh, Noah. Uh, in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 18, it says, But with thee I'll establish my covenant. And, and so God, one of, one of the covenants that we see is Noah's covenant with God. And so we know that uh, because of the evil that was coming up from the earth, God found a righteous man named Noah. He began to build an ark, and he built that ark for a hundred and some years. It was a huge ark, you know, and I know even today people make fun of it, you know, but if it's in the Word, this really happened. This is not a story. This is an account of something that happened. So we know, understand that Noah, ha, um, and, and he went into the ark, but with that covenant, God made this covenant with him. Let's look at Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. I want you to see this. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and he offered a burnt offering unto the Lord. So one of the things that we're going to look at the covenant is those that are making a covenant, especially when you're making a covenant with God, there seems to me to be an offering. 
there seems to be something that the man's side, or even in both parties, there's an offering given. So let's look on here at verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Woo, amen to that one. Amen. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Are you all glad for that? Cold and heat, summer and winter. I don't know. Summer could be a little lesser. Summer and winter and days and nights shall not cease. Amen. Okay. So, so, so Noah made an offering. And when you make an offering to God in a covenant, God gives you a response or a promise. God gives a response or a promise. And what are His promises? We know in the New Covenant, His promises are what? Yes and amen or so be it. So when God makes a promise, when He says He's going to do something, on His end, it's done. When a covenant relationship is established, you, they, oh, Noah made an offering to God, and when he made an offering to God, it was sweet-smelling, and God made a promise, I'm not ever going to do this again. I'm going to, the ground is now going to be blessed. Everything, you know, between, you know, this, this is a new order. And then, I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 9, uh, verse number 9 says, And behold, I established my covenant with you. Now watch what God does very often. And your seed after you. I've been a pastor for 25 years. And I've watched some of you in this room who have a close relationship with the Lord. And I've also watched sometimes some of your children, your adult children, have it. I've watched God do things for your adult children, not because of them, but because of you. It reminds me of the centurion who said, my servant lies homesick. The Syrophoenician woman, my daughter is at home, grievously tormented of the devil. Don't make any mistake about it. Everybody is blessed in your family because of your relationship and your covenant with the Most High God. And if you learn how to, and I'll say it this way, work your covenant. And what I mean by that is if you understand a covenant, you understand your rights and privileges, God's not, you don't have to beg Him. You're in covenant. You're in covenant. God decided to make a covenant with you through Jesus Christ. And that's why covenants are so important. So he said, I'm going to take care of you, but I'm, aren't you glad? I'm going to take care of your seed. Verse 17. And God said unto Noah, this is a token. This is a symbol. Anybody know what the symbol is? Let's look at it, Wesley. I thought we'd do a double rainbow. I'm into the double. If you're here on Wednesday night, you'll know uh, we're just we're just doubling. We decided to double. Hallelujah. Yeah. Everybody say double. But every time you see a rainbow, I know what scientists say, and that may be true. But when you see a rainbow, what's that supposed to remind you of? He'll never do it again. Why? This is my covenant. This is my promise. I'm putting this in the sky during a rainstorm. When it's raining. <laughs> when it's raining. And then my sun is shining at the same time. 
And I'm here to remind you that that happened. But my promise is to you that it'll never happen again. And then God has used that for many people when they've been through a storm and a tragedy in their life. And he'll remind them of the rainbow and say, it'll, this will never happen again. God does symbols. He does things so that you and I can see them. Are you, are, are you grateful uh, um, for, for the rainbow? Are you grateful? And nobody can hijack our rainbow. Hallelujah. And um, so, hallelujah, glory to God. Um, thank you, Jesus. And so what happens is he keeps the promise. What is he doing? What is covenant about? I made a covenant with you, and I'm going to keep my promise. Okay, let's look at another one. So uh, how about um, Abraham's covenant? Now, Pastor Rhonda went through that. And uh, the, 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 I'm not going to go through it again because we've talked a lot about Abraham. Remember, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. But I do want to remind you of this in Romans chapter 2, verse 29. What's the sign uh, of Abrahamic covenant? It was circumcision. But you are Abraham's seed. Everybody say, I am Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. He said, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circum- he is a Jew, is one inwardly. And true circumcision is of the heart. A spiritual and not a literal matter. Right? So when you got born again, you didn't know it, but your heart got circumcised. It's a part of the work of the Holy Ghost. What is that? In the realm of the Spirit, you're marked. In other words, both sides can see who you belong to. And you don't understand that. You're you're not only lit up, you're a bright light, but you have a a mark, a sign in the realm of the Spirit that who you belong to. And if you know who you belong to, see, you've got to know who I belong to. What, what belongs to me? And so when the devil tries to trespass on this property that's been marked, you can tell him to get off. Because I've been marked. I've been sealed. I'm part of a covenant. In other, but see, if you don't know that you're part of a covenant, then what Pastor Rhonda was telling you last week, like in the, the tribes of, of Africa, if, if you walked around without the symbol, if you walked around not knowing who you were, then someone could take advantage of you. You've got to know you're in a covenant. And your covenant rights, they are, they're rights, they're privileges, and, and we need to take advantage of them. We're not trying to force something on God. How many of you know that that Abrahamic covenant went to his seed? Because remember when the children of Israel got into trouble? Remember? When they were in real trouble, what did they say? They cried out, the Bible says, God, remember your covenant. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were nowhere to be found. But the covenant was still good. And God sent a deliverer named Moses in response to the covenant cry. And he delivered them. And I'm telling you what happened is in Egypt. Con, y'all know? Y'all know what happened. Remember? As he, you know, got to let him go. And then if you look at the ten plagues, what was that? There's a mark. There's a marked difference between us and them. Amen. There was dark, gross darkness over the rest of the land, but the lights were on. Come on. Flies were everywhere, but we were fly free having a picnic. Amen. And then the last one, you know, the firstborn. 
God made a mark and a difference between them, not because they were any better, not, not because they were suddenly such good people. It was because of a covenant that he had made. He is a keeper of his word. Because he could swear by no greater, he swears by himself. And if he makes a covenant on his end, he's going to keep it. Now, we have to keep it on our end as well. But can you, my goodness, the seed who had probably forgotten God began to remember when they got, you know, it's not good to get into trouble. But when you get into trouble, you've got a covenant. Amen. And they called out and God delivered them. Amen. Well, then um, let's look at this one. Um, can I have uh, my sword? Give me my sword, please. Just one sword. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So, let's look at this. All right. So... First Samuel... Chapter 18, verses 3 through 4. So, this is Jonathan and David. Who was Jonathan? Jonathan was the king Saul's son. Which would be, in the natural order of things, the heir apparent to the throne. Correct? But we know because of Saul, you know, he got too big for his britches. The, the anointing left him, and God has already anointed David to be king, even though he's not yet king. And God, uh, uh, and you have to understand this this covenant between David and Jonathan, that God supernaturally knit their hearts together in a way that they loved one another. Um, but really, God did that to save David alive. Jonathan, the son of the king, was instrumental in obeying God to make sure David became king. This is a God thing. It's not a man thing. And so here, 1 Samuel 18, 3-4, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and God... And gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and his girdle. So I thought I saw Robert come back in. So I told you I'll be awake. Hey, Robert, come up here. So uh, in Jonathan's case, Jonathan at that time was in the greater position. And so it talks about him. But, you know, so this is just a fun thing. Okay. But um, it could be spiritual too. Um, but... Um, what happened is that probably with Jonathan's sword, the crescent of Saul was probably on it. The king's house. Because that's how they did things back then. And so really there was an exchange because it was a symbol. What was supposed to happen is then when any time anyone saw him, they were to know we're in covenant together. And with that covenant, and I'm really big emphasis today, then later on he said, they, they made it again, and they said, and not only between us, but between our seed forever. And so that would be me saying, okay, Robert, if anything ever happens to me or I get in trouble, you take care of destiny. 
and if anything ever happens, um, I'll take care of Christian and Samuel and their grandchildren. We're going to take care of each other. We're in covenant. So he gave them this, and then anywhere that he goes, all he'd have to do is pour out, pour out, put up, yeah. You just have to pull that, and everybody would know that that was God did something. So there was a, a, a protection. I also believe an anointing that came. And when they gave that, because this is a covenant that was supposed to be forever. And then you all know the result. After Jonathan died, he said what? He said, is there no one? And then you remember old Mephibosheth down in Lodibar. And then what happened? He blessed him and took care of him. So that's what happens. So now wherever he goes, you can just take that sword anywhere you go. And next time you preach, you can use it. And so, but, it, but, it's, but it's visible. God does things. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. But God, and with symbols, he does things visible to remind you of a covenant. Everybody say, I'm in a covenant. All right. So, um, the next one, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. The guy who married folks in the room. All right. So um, how many of you know exchanging of rings? What is that? It's a covenant. But I need, uh, I need the ushers who's ever bringing my table of... Well, good. Are you going to bring it up here? Well, Ramona, you just come with him then. I'll just use you too, because you, you're married. Put it somewhere where, yeah, put it kind of right there where they can put it on camera and see you guys. Okay. How long have y'all been married? Almost 16 years. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> you did a good, you've done a good job. Stand over here, Ramona. All right. So, did you guys do this when, when you got married? Did you do a unique handle? Did you any, do anything like that? Okay, so you're representing all these married folks, okay? All right. All right. So, um... So this is the modified version of the salt ceremony. So let me look, give you a scripture, and then we're going to look at this. Um, the salt covenant, uh, Numbers 18, 19, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13, and then pull up for me, 2 Chronicles 13, 5. Ought you know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over to David forever and to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. So, so what, what is this covenant of salt? This covenant of salt is... Where two people come into a covenant, and uh, back in the day, they would take two different colors of salt, and they would pour them together. And how many of you, sand or salt, know that if you got mad at one another, you can't take your salt and go home? <laughs> Once it's mixed, it's impossible to divide. for girls now you can make it pretty or you can just throw it in there hallelujah so as they pour that they're doing it as a representation a couple getting married making a covenant with God they're saying to one another uh, before God we make a covenant an everlasting covenant that once we've joined together nothing can separate us we're in covenant one with another, and we're going to be in covenant uh, forever. This is something unseparable. Now, you can take your sand and go home. You can have that. 
you can have that. All right. All right. So, can you see that? I'm showing you the symbols of covenant. A wedding ring. That means to everybody, not just I'm married and I'm off the market, but I'm in covenant with someone. Amen. It should mean that to everybody. But, but uh, uh, you know what? Listen, y'all. Marriage is supposed to be one of the covenants in the new covenant that is supposed to be front and center. It's why the devil attacks it. It's supposed to be able, you're supposed to be able to look at a Christian marriage and see Christ in the church. You're supposed to see love. You're supposed to see uh, how it works together. And so this covenant reminds you. And so every time that they look at that, that, that salt ceremony, when you look at that, sometimes it might be good if you had something like that when things are going bad and you're thinking that you rethink it because you've done this before God. And this is a covenant forever. Now, if someone's ever broken their covenant with you, I understand that, you know, you can't go back necessarily and fix it. But as you go on in your life, make sure all the covenants you enter into, you understand the weightiness of it. It's not flippant. You don't get to change your mind. I know they've made it easy to change your mind, but aren't you glad God's not going to change His covenant mind with you? And it's supposed to be... uh, that. So we're not going to get it any more into that. But that's a salt ceremony. That's a, a salt covenant. And, um, and the marriage is supposed to be a very much a reflection of that. And so it's really important. The other thing, uh, just as we get ready, now remember, um, so what is this? The cup represents the blood of Jesus. The bread represents the body of Christ. So you all know where this came from. This came from uh, the Passover meal. And so they had called out to God, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God delivered them. And so he made an ordinance or a symbol forever. And he gave symbols to represent who Jesus was. And so how many of you know today we are in a blood covenant because of what Jesus did. The old covenant has passed away. That's not where you and I live anymore. We live in a new and a better covenant established on better promises. And the reason we have that is because there's a mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who is mediating this covenant. And He established this covenant by taking His own blood the blood of a spotless lamb. And he took that blood when he was raised from the dead and he put it on the mercy seat. And that blood speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. That blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, but without the shedding of blood, without the blood, it seems, uh, in this case, there is no covenant. So that, that, that sprinkling of blood, that, that the blood that Jesus shed for you and I causes us to enter into contract. I want to remind you that word um, covenant is beret 
And it's a covenant, it's a compact, it's a pledge, it's a treaty, and it's an agreement. And it was used over 250 times in the Old Covenant. So the, the word covenant is very strong, but it's a pledge. It's a treaty. It's an agreement. So Jesus made an agreement with Father God. And Jesus uh, was enough for you and I to get into a covenant with the Almighty, with the Creator, and, and, and all that the covenant writes. Listen, that's why when he says, everything I have is yours. Why? Because we're in a covenant. That's what a covenant is. Everything I have, you have. Now, on the other end, everything you have is mine. Every, everybody say that. Say, Jesus, everything I have is yours. Why? We're in covenant. That's why if he asks you for something, don't argue with him. Because you're got, you, you've already gotten the better deal. But if he needs something from you, you give it to him willingly without a fight. Hallelujah. Because it's part of the covenant. Come on, he shouldn't have to pry anything out of you. If he tells you to go talk to somebody, it's more of a, okay, I'll do that. Why? Because we're in a covenant. Because if you ever need him to talk to... Oh. Maybe you need him to talk to your boss. And then suddenly favor happens. Why? Covenant. Amen. But it, 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 in order for a covenant to work, both sides have to be in operation. To be a true covenant because you can break the covenant god will never 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 break the covenant he can't because he's god he won't go back on his word and we need to be people that won't go back on ours too amen so um What happened when they partook of the covenant? There were specific instructions. So let's look at those specific instructions. We're going to look at some of them in Exodus chapter 12. So the covenant meal, the symbols that were going to come from the covenant. And many of you have heard these many times. But in light of ministering on the covenant, I want you to understand. So in Acts chapter 12, I'm going to start at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Keep it for 14 days the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So he's got specific ways to do it. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two sides of the upper door of the house, wherein they shall eat. They shall eat that flesh that night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat it not raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast it with fire. Uh, and all these have meanings, but we're not going to stop and talk about them. His head with legs and the uh, puritans thereof. And you'll let nothing remain until the morning. That which remains, you've got to burn it. And thus shall you eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he's come. But it doesn't stop there. 
Wherefore, whoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup unworthily. What's happening? Instructions. Instructions. Shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat that bread and drink of that cup. He that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. But we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together, eat, tarry for one another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home. And you, and you come not together with... Uh, and ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will all set in order when I come. What am I saying? So both places, specific instructions are given. So this, and you know, I remember when, as a church, we used to do this once a month until it got to be a routine, until it got to be religious. And so people ask me, why don't we do communion more? I only do it when I'm led to do it because it needs to be a moment. Now, if you do it individually, how many know you don't need a preacher to do this? You can do this individually, but even you, if you do this daily, make sure daily it means something. You're not just eating a cracker and drinking a cup of juice. That won't do anything for you. Because this doesn't, this doesn't, this is a symbol. This is a symbol only. The symbol represents the reality of a covenant, though. This is a covenant meal. And as they took that covenant, as they took it, they ate it in haste or on purpose. Why? Because they're being delivered. And so this, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me till I come. And this is another thing that I like when I do a wedding ceremony. I like couples to do because it's, it's again, a sign of a covenant. And so putting your marriage under a covenant. Um, I think it's very, very important. And so when you, when you partake today, what does the Bible say? Well, I'm supposed to examine myself. Now, um, and, and rightly discern the Lord's body. Uh, what does that mean? Well, I think it's twofold. Number one, understand that Jesus took stripes on his back so that you can be healed. And then I, secondarily, I think it's supposed, we're supposed to discern the body of Christ. And we're not supposed to be talking about people. We're not supposed to be uh, doing anything, putting people down. But primarily, it's you've got to discern the Lord's body uh, and understand that Jesus took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. And so you examine yourself. Now, I remember I tell this story all the time when I was a little kid. I had a, a fear of God, but it wasn't a respect of God. It was a real fear. And so I would never take communion because I was afraid I was going to take it and die because I didn't understand that I was righteous. And, I, you know, because I tell you the story, I used to get born again again because I didn't have revelation back then. But I, you know, now I have revelation, hopefully. I do. Yeah, I really do. Uh, you being a, the new birth is a one-time experience. And, and yet I was not in a place where people were teaching me the word to understand that if I messed up, if I sinned, that I had uh, uh, the righteous one that I could go to and his blood would cleanse me. And so communion or the Lord's table should never be a scary place to you. It's a reminder of covenant. And as you partake of it, you can be healed. Something going on in your body? Reminding yourself of the covenant as you partake that bread. Releasing your faith to receive all the covenant did. Because in the old covenant, as they were making this covenant, the Bible says there was not one sick or feeble among them. So what happened? Because these were slaves. 
These people were not well taken care of. They were slaves. And so as they were partaking, they were all divinely healed. Because the Bible does not exaggerate. There was not one sick or feeble among them. And then it tells me this. Because they went out with silver and gold. that, That all the redemptive rights that you and I have was given to them. Because the Bible says they went out with silver and gold. Well, that's just not important, Pastor Mark. It is important because it's important to God. He wants you blessed to be a... So they went out. Not one sick or feeble among them. They went out with silver and gold. They were delivered. They were delivered. That's what this represents. And so whatever you need today, this is a symbol. There's no power in the symbol, but what the symbol represents. What, it, what am I talking about? Every time you see a rainbow... It's a symbol of God. I made a covenant with mankind. Amen. You've been circumcised in your heart. In the realm of the spirit, when friend or foe sees you, they know who you belong to. Abraham's covenant, it was an outward. For us, it's interesting that the Lord put that in there to let you know you've been circumcised in your heart as a sign, as a symbol. The salt ceremony, that's God. He did it with Israel for for one thing, but they did it in business practice. We do it in marriage. That is God saying, when you and I come together, Nothing can pull us apart. You can never take your salt and go home. Once you mingle it, it's forever. Make that kind of commitment. Come on. If you just make that kind of commitment, no matter what kind of marriage problem you're having, the Lord can fix it. I made a covenant. Now, I understand there's some things I'm not going to get into teaching on marriage today. Um, we got a Marriage Matters coming up where we're going to be teaching. I don't remember the date of it, but Richard and Cheryl getting it together. We're going to be in the other building, and we're going to do a, a Salt Covenant as the finale. I already know that for when we do that. And uh, so if you've never had one or a unity candle, um, we're going to do that and something you can keep. Because it's a, it's a big reminder. You know, um, our 20, this next November will be 24 years. We still have a unity candle that we, I, you know, we, we put, um, it's prominent in our house because we're together. Amen. Covenant, your ring. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.